Hi, it's Ian Brody here. Welcome to this podcast. With me on the line right now is Steve Gordon from the USA. Hi, Steve. Hey, Ian. How are you? I'm very good. Steve and I are going to talk about email marketing, and in particular, I'm going to ask Steve some questions about the the way he does email marketing, which is a little bit different um, to the way many people do it. Uh, Steve, just to start off, do you want to tell us a little bit about you and your business? Sure. I uh, I work with business owners, and I help them attract clients, and I focus on folks who are in the the service business. So I work with a lot of consultants, um, a few coaches, uh, a lot of folks who are in what I would consider, you know, brick and mortar service businesses. Um, and and so um, this is a I think a different approach to marketing for a lot of them when mm. I work with them. And so I'm excited to, to talk with you today. And and when you do email marketing, what what's your overall goal? What are you trying to achieve with your email marketing? Well, with with my own marketing, I'm trying to take people who are are interested in in what I do and interested in uh, in growing their business and turn them into clients. And so um, this is a very results based uh, approach mm-hmm. and a results based marketing effort for me. And so one of the things, or really the the thing I know you most for when it comes to email marketing is that you email almost daily, which is quite unusual in our sort of businesses. You know, most people are worried about emailing weekly, let alone emailing almost daily. Um, But for you, you know, what is the ideal email frequency for you? Well, I get that. I get asked that a lot. And and I don't know that there is an ideal frequency, but... For most of the the businesses that I come across, it's a lot more frequent than what they're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> and so you mentioned I, I email. I, I call it almost daily. I, I shoot for four to five times a week, and um, and, and there's no magic number there. I just figure if I'm you know communicating with the people that I ultimately want to do business with, just about every business day that. I've got a much greater opportunity to build a relationship with them than if I emailed them less frequently. And, you know, a lot of times I'll talk to businesses and they're doing maybe a quarterly mm-hmm. email newsletter and, um, you know, and it's a big fancy thing uh, or maybe they're doing it once a month. Um, a lot of people are really afraid to email more frequently than that because they think they're going to bug people. And we can talk about, what what takes an email out of the realm of bugging someone and makes it valuable. But I think you can email more frequently than you are in most cases, unless, you know, you're listening and you're already doing daily. Mm. But, um, you know, the, there was a lot of, a lot of people told me, Oh, this, you're crazy to be, you know, emailing that frequently. And I found that it's, uh, it, all the things that people told me to be afraid of were actually complete myths mm. and the opposite to be true. Okay. Well, I guess that the first thing that would strike me, if we're talking about emailing daily, that I guess many people would be thinking would be, you know, oh my word, it takes me so long and it's so difficult to come up with ideas for my monthly newsletter. How on earth do you come up with ideas for emails when you're emailing on an almost daily basis? I'll tell you, it can be a little bit scary and um, it's... Uh, it's the afternoon where, where you are. We're recording on a Friday. It's the morning here for me. And I had a very uh, late evening last evening trying to finish up a project. And I haven't written my email for the day. 
And, um, and that's always a challenge, uh, coming up with what to talk about, but it gets easier. I found that as you get into it and, and you begin emailing more frequently, it actually becomes a lot easier because you're doing it as a part of your regular routine rather than only once a month or once a week, um, or as some are doing once a quarter. Um, when you don't do it frequently, you're just not in practice. Mm. And, and so the ideas don't tend to flow to you. Um, the other thing about emailing daily is that I get a lot of interaction with the people who are on my email list, a lot more than I did before. Prior to this, I emailed about it every other week, and and I thought that was fairly frequent. But what I found was I got almost no interaction. And uh, we can talk a little bit about format, but the emails that I send now that I send almost every day are very, very short. They're, they're almost as if I'm sitting down to write a friend a, a really mm. short there are, you know, maybe 150, 200 words, 300 on, on the high end. And, um, and so it makes it a lot easier to write them that way. But the way I come up with ideas is I look at everyday life and, uh, and I look at the questions that people ask me or the responses that I get back from the prior day's emails. And, and I found that there are really just an endless supply of ideas and topics when you don't have the pressure of writing, uh, you know, the, the, the grand monthly emails, yeah. it gets much easier. I think, I think that's a good point that when you're only emailing monthly, there's such a pressure on that for it to be perfect and brilliant and so insightful. But if you're emailing very frequently, you essentially learn to relax and you realize you're, you're in a way you're raising credibility by the, the gentle drip, drip, drip of good stuff rather than a once a month, it must be perfect because it's the only chance I've got this month. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And it's interesting you said about your, your daily observations. I have a friend. I was actually on the phone to a friend of mine just before we did, did this call who's a, an ex-stand-up comedian. He's now a writer and a, and a trainer. And he always says about comics that the, the difference between normal people and comics when it comes to coming up with ideas for comedy is we both observe daily life, but a comic is constantly taking mental notes or even usually physical notes and writing down interesting things they observe that they could then turn into... Um, you know, a, a joke. And I guess you do the same thing with your emails. As, as your life goes by day by day, instead of it, let it just washing over you, you're actually making a note of it so you can turn that into a into an email. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you and I talked, uh, you were on, on my podcast a couple of months ago, and, and you talked about uh, an idea that, that you used where you'd uh, bat, you know, bashed your head on the, the uh mm the roof or the doorway or something and, and, and use that. And, and, and that's a great example of that. You, you take something that's happened to you, you turn it into, um, you know, a story that illustrates something and it doesn't always have to be about what you do. Um, what I do is, is, uh, I help businesses with their marketing, but you know, I mix in there stories about, other things that I know my readers are interested in. Most of my readers are business owners, so they run into all the problems that business owners run into. I mean, you have employee challenges and you have, um, you know, you just have the stress of running a business and that provides a lot of fodder for, uh, you know, for, for writing these emails. And, and frankly, a lot of them have families and, and spouses and, mm kids and and you know we all know what what stress that uh, running a business can put on all of those relationships so there are you know i 
and I run into those things too. So, um, so sharing some of that also um, can be really effective. So, in terms of emails, and you touched on this earlier about the big monthly masterpiece versus the the short emails. So you're saying that your your emails are, are typically quite short these days. Have you have you tested different lengths of emails to find out what's the most successful? Uh, I, I have tested, and uh, the only conclusive results that I found is that the old emails that I was writing, which were were quite lengthy, I mean they were essays. And they ranged anywhere from from a thousand words, which might be about you know two written pages, to I think the longest was about two thousand words, and it was a very long email. Um, and of course, I thought it was just a, a marvelous masterpiece. <laughs> uh, but I found that getting down into the uh, the hundred fifty to three hundred word range gives me enough room to make an interesting point, make someone think, give them sort of an aha moment. Um, and it also doesn't explain everything. So I don't teach them the entire, you know, solution to a problem, but it just gives them enough to think a little bit. It gives them enough that they can consume it very quickly and, and move on with their day, but they've heard from me. Mm. And that's all this is about. This is, you know, I think email is one of the most personal forms of communication that we have today. A lot of people don't agree with that, but I think it's very, very personal because email reaches us in a way that you you can't reach your prospects most of the time. And so you couldn't physically get, you know, to your prospects, um, you know, in, in the places that they read email at home at night on the couch. Um, you know, a lot of people won't admit to it, but, but we know from, uh, personal experience, we've all, you know, been in the men's room when you've heard some <laughs> places, the prospect you just can't get otherwise. And, uh, you can get past gatekeepers and all of this sort of thing. And, and I think that makes email a very, very personal mm. medium with someone. And, and so, um, by giving them these short little emails, it's, it's as if I'm having that personal interaction, um, you know, that one-on-one sort of interaction, even though I'm doing it in mass. So I'm emailing out to over a thousand people every time I do it. And I think, um, one of the things I'm thinking, because my current email, for example, I probably email about two, maybe three times a week, unless there's something special going on. So I'm not quite as frequent as you. But one of the things that's striking me is with the increase in people using mobile devices to read emails, I think that is leading us towards more smaller bite-sized chunks. Because the problem is if you send a weekly email that it in a way is the equivalent of four little short emails, people will just look at that on a mobile device and it'll just feel like it's too much. And they'll put it to one side to read later. And of course they won't. Whereas if you just give them that little bite-sized email, they'll read it right away. They'll read it instantly and it'll have an impact and that impact will grow. You know, people don't put aside really short emails that they can almost see on their screen all in one go. They'll quickly scan it and read it and go, oh, so I think I think mobile may be making the short, more frequent email style even more effective. Yeah, I, I think so. And, uh, you know, I I didn't invent this approach. Um, uh, I, I learned it from a guy named Ben Settle. I, I think you're familiar mm. with his um you know, and, and he's very focused on selling product 
you know, information marketing type products um, and, and selling it through email and, and was having great success with it. Um, and I don't, I don't sell product. I mean, this is all to, to sell a service, to sell mm-hmm. consumer. Um, and, and I was really fairly concerned about how well it would work for that. Um, it's not as though someone just can go to a web page and buy something. Um, if they're going to hire me, it's a, a pretty complicated decision. Um, but I really think that because I build these relationships daily over time, um, that it really, it, it makes that sales process work so much better because mm-hmm. when you get someone on the phone now, who has come, you know, has been receiving my emails for a period of time. Um, you know, back when I, I emailed biweekly, I'd hit somebody 26 times in a year. And now that I'm hitting them four or five times a month, in a month, I have almost that same number of contacts with them. Mm. They, they feel much more comfortable with me and more familiar with me. We have a stronger relationship, even though I've never spoken with them in a much shorter time. And so what I've found is it's sped up the sales cycle tremendously. Um, and, you know, you and I both like to track results on marketing. Um, I almost immediately saw a jump in the number of initial consultations. The first week I shifted to this, um, I went from doing several a month to doing several a week. Uh, mm. And that has maintained and actually just increased um, and, 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 you know, and then directly led to, to, uh, new business. And so that, that's one of the reasons that I won't quit doing it. I, you know, my wife says, you know, every night, have you written the email today? Cause she knows that that's she money. Bring the money in. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's, I think really the, the really interesting thing about your approach is that I think the, the daily email type approach has been gaining acceptance in the kind of product marketing world. But you're really the first person I've seen it use it so extensively for marketing services. Um, but it seems to be absolutely working. And of course, it, people aren't pressing a buy button to hire you as a coach. They're they're going into a, a telephone call with you or a meeting where they'll discuss, um, you know, have that initial consultation. So you're using the emails to tee up that initial consultation. But it's it's absolutely working just as well, I think, as the the guys who are selling products with with more frequent emails. Yeah, I really, I, I think, I think the frequency really is the key. You just have more turns of back. Mm. You know? And what about you mentioned before format? When you're sending out the emails, what, 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 how do you like to format them? Well, I again, I think this is really important. I I want this to have the appearance of of being a personal email between me and the recipient. And even though I'm I'm sending it out in mass. I don't put my my logo and all of that in there. Um, I, in fact, it's not in the email at all. Down at the bottom, there's a little photo of me because I want them to recognize who that who it's from, and mm. and I use that as a way to kind of get that personal connection so they can see my face. I don't know that that's essential, but uh, I want it to look like a very plain email that they would get from a colleague or a friend or their spouse. Um, and, and I feel like that's the, the easiest thing for them to consume. They're used to consuming that. And it doesn't scream, hey, I'm going to sell you something. Yeah, that's right. If, you, if it's full of graphics, it looks like it's an email from Amazon or someone else 
where you know the only purpose of the email is to sell you something. Right, and if if you look at at uh, you know even service companies that send out you know periodic maybe a quarterly or a monthly uh, newsletter type email, it's always got the masthead at the top, mm-hmm. their logo and and all of that. And people don't read those because they know number one that they're boring and that they're all about that company rather than being something that that is designed to serve the recipient. And I'm guessing it works as well. You mentioned before that you now get a lot of feedback from your audience, which, of course, builds engagement, which is, you know, if someone's interacted with you and sent you a few replies to your emails, they're far more likely to get on the phone to you when they want to talk to you than if they've never spoken to you and and never interacted before. But I think that may be related to the format as well, because if it's a you don't think of replying to a to a newsletter with a masthead and images and things. But if it's just a simple text email, it feels like someone's just emailed you. You hit reply. Right, right. It, it mimics what we do normally mm. in that, and uh, and so and that's been very helpful. And so from from a a sales standpoint, you know, the, when I get a reply back, and someone oftentimes is asking a question, and they're asking a question because they've got a problem that there's a good chance I can solve for them, and so it allows me now to open up that dialogue, even if they don't go and go to my website and and request a meeting. Now I'm in dialogue with them about mm. a problem they have that maybe I can solve and I now have the opportunity with that individual to go deeper and to move them to a telephone conversation or face to face and and get them to become a client and so um, so it's not just about sending out a daily email there's a purpose behind it yeah I think actually that this may be the one difference between the kind of daily email for a service provider versus the daily email for a, an information marketer for example because I guess in information marketing you really you don't actually want that interaction. You want people to go off and press buy. But right. when you're a service provider, you do want to – you don't want them to just passively read them and then press buy because they're never going to buy a big, expensive consulting or coaching service. You want them to start talking to you and interacting, so you're encouraging that. Exactly. And, and I mean, you know, in doing this, this is not as though someone's buying a $100 course. They're going to spend, um, you know, five figures mm. – to, to work with me, it's not an insignificant purchase. And the email doesn't do the selling all by itself. But I, I believe in marketing that, that at each stage, all I'm trying to do is move someone to the next mm. step. I think for service businesses, that's always been really hard because, you know, we're trying to get people to, to take a big, big step when we get to the end. And, and if we can just move them a little ways along the path, all along, and, and I think the email email frequently can do that. It moves them from I don't know you to yeah okay you're you're intelligent and I want to listen to you and maybe you're talking about a problem that I'm interested in and then it moves them on to okay this guy's pretty credible and then it moves them on to okay I feel like I really know them and I trust them. I mean these are all steps along that path before someone is ever willing to pick up the phone. Mm. And we don't think through a lot of those most of the time. And and what I've found is that frequently communicating, and email is not the only method, but I think it's it's one of the easiest to implement. Yeah. Um, but it helps you move along that path. So if you go back to the, the the you know the daily almost daily emailing, I can imagine one of the things people are going to be worried about then is is you know is that going to trigger a whole load of people unsubscribing because you're just emailing them too frequently. What's what's been your experience with that? 
Um, it's been really interesting. I thought that I was going to have a mass exodus hmm. on my list, and in fact, because I guess at one point you switched from the you know the, the every couple of weeks to to much more frequently. And I I, I teed that up uh, the the last of those uh, every other week emails. Uh, was a very short email saying that things are going to be changing around here. You've been on the list and things are going to be changing. If it doesn't fit for you, great. But I hope you'll at least stick around for a week or two um, just to to see if this is going to be useful for you. But uh, we're going to try a little experiment. And I put that out, you know, to the, mm. the uh, just in that tone uh, so that I, my goal was to kind of get them to come along for the test with me. And, and, and they did. Um, I had very few unsubscribes uh, right off the bat, and um, and I I actually get fewer unsubscribes per month now than I did before. That's very interesting. That's very, why do you think that is? Because I, I and and I'm not sure, but I think it's because people get used to seeing it. And before, when they'd only hear from me a couple of times a month, they might forget why they wanted to hear from me in the first place or where I came from. But if they hear from me every day, I'm part of their lives. Mm. Now think about the people that are in your life every day and, and what level of importance they have to you. They, you've got, you know, your, your spouse, your kids, you know, your, your, your parents, maybe, you know, some extended family. I mean, I don't, I don't talk to my siblings every day, um, you know, once a week. Uh, maybe. And, you know, and so you look at the people, who do you talk to every day? What do you, who are the people beyond family in the media that you listen to every day? Well, you know, here in the U S um, conservative, politically conservative talk radio is a big, big industry. So you have people like Rush Limbaugh who are on every day. And then on the other side, you have um, on, on television, you have Oprah Winfrey who's on every day or, or was on for a long time every day. And, and they, they built such strong relationships with their audiences because they showed up day in, day out that people wouldn't want to miss an episode. And I think that's a little bit of the relationship that's created by emailing your prospects on a very frequent basis and, and, you know, daily, if you can do Mm -hmm. it. You know, I think, I think it might have something to do with the email length as well, Steve, in the, I was thinking about this earlier today, talking it over with a client, and the difference between a if you think about a big monthly email that's much longer, you can't you can't read that in one little chunk. You have to set aside time to read it. So you file it away and you put it to one side to read later. And of course, during the month you're too busy, so the next one comes in and you file that, and then the next one. And by the time you've got three or four piling up that you've not read, you just think, I might as well. I must, I've got to unsubscribe to this because I'm not reading them. Whereas if you get your little short daily bite-sized chunks of valuable information you're reading them every day you're not getting a big pile up of them of you're not re- that you're not reading because you can quickly read them as soon as you get them they're out of the way you've got value from them so you're not getting a pile up and i think sometimes it's the pile up that causes the unsubscribe as well not the fact there's lots of them the fact they're piling up and you haven't had a chance to read them that's right you say oh I've, you know I, I haven't read any of these let me just unsubscribe so no more come in yeah that's right but with you know with the daily ones, you know the, the um they you're reading them every day because they're short. Okay, so so the other side of it is you know the, 
I mean, there could be a fear as well that, okay, that daily stuff, even if you're getting a small number of unsubscribes, might there be a good prospect in there who's unsubscribing, who who could be a good person to work with you, but but you're just overwhelming them a bit? That's always possible. Um, However, I, I think that for most of your best prospects, if if they're really getting value, uh, they're probably going to stick around. Mm. I mean, it, 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 I, I think of it partly as indoctrination and indoctrination into your way of doing things, into your way of, of thinking about uh, the problems that you solve for people, um, because there are always different ways to, to approach those problems. And much of the reason that, a client hires a particular consultant has to do with a, a mental match that they, that you see the world a certain way and that they have bought into mm. the world. And, and so one of the things that I look for from, from clients, I don't know if I should admit this, in, but we'll do it anyway, but I look for compliance mm. uh, because, and I don't mean that in like a brainwashing sense, but if, a client hasn't bought into my ap- approach to doing things and really want to consume everything I've got to say about it. How compliant are they going to be when I make recommendations? And if yeah. they're not with my recommendations, how could they possibly be successful in working with me? And, and if they're not successful, they're not getting value out of it. I'm going to have an up- unhappy client. Um, that's my approach to it. Mm. Is that right? No. Um, am I possibly losing, uh, Good clients, maybe, but uh, you know, it hasn't hurt business. It's it's shown to do the opposite. Yeah, so. you're getting so many more other good clients that it, that it compensates, overcompensates. So I haven't worried about that all that much. Okay. So let's get down to nitty gritty then, in terms of the emails. So you're you're doing almost daily emails. What's the content like? What are you actually putting into these emails that makes them work? Well, you know, that has been. Um, initially it was the hardest part. I, I experimented with, with this about a year ago and it didn't work very well, but I was, I was again writing shorter emails. They were a bit longer than what I'm doing now. Um, maybe about 500 words. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in each one, I was trying to teach a mini topic, a, a mini seminar. And so I'd present a problem and a solution in there. And those did not convert very well. Um, what changed as I, I went back to it was that really most of the time I'm just expressing an opinion um, or I'm telling a story that might be illustrative of a, a problem that my prospects typically face. Um, and, and so, you know, an example is uh, – Last month, I wrote an email, and the subject line was uh, the salesman who couldn't speak. And I, I told the story of um, of a salesman who walked in to uh, you know to sell a CEO, but he couldn't speak, and so he just took with him a book of pictures and photographs that were beautifully designed, but there were no words associated with it. And he walked out, and he didn't get the sale. And I, you know, I. The the way that I related that story back was that that's what most companies' marketing 
is doing. They, they're putting their marketing out there as if it's going to sell, but all they have is their logo and a pretty picture that, you know, has the, you know, the, the perfect, you know, ethnic mix to be politically correct, but it doesn't say anything about what you do and why you're a benefit to anyone. And it's like mm-hmm. sending a person in that doesn't speak. Um, and that was really successful. I got a lot of great response back from it. And, um, uh, you know, and, and it led to, uh, you know, bringing in a couple of new clients. But it was I, it was a made up story that related a problem that I see out there with a lot of marketing, which is what I work on. And, um, and it was a different way for people to look at it. And when they looked at it that way, they went, oh, my God, you're right. I have that problem. And and so but I didn't give them the solution. I just gave them the story and created the problem. So you want you, you you don't necessarily need them to come out having been taught a new thing, but you want them to have some kind of insight or light bulb moment Correct. as a and result I, of having read the email. So it can be much shorter in that case. Absolutely. And I think for those of us who are in the, the expert business, and I know a lot of the, the folks in the, that you work mm. with, consultants and coaches, and, and we're all in the expert business. And one of the real dangers of it is that, you know, we want people to know how smart we are. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I fall into the trap just as much as anyone else. And so we want to explain to them, oh, here's the problem. And you know what? I know the solution. I'm going to teach it to you. But sooner or later, you've taught them all of the solutions that they would hire you <laughs> for them. And so I think it doesn't work very well. But well, also, certainly- I, don't, I don't think most people want to know all the solutions. That's what you're there for. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, it's a, uh, you know, we do. It's it's this funny thing where you know the purpose of sending the emails is to build credibility, but you don't get that credibility by telling them in one email everything you know about a topic. <laughs> That's just going to bore the wits out of them. You know, be, because you know, because those of us in this expert business have expertise in something, we're further down the road than our prospects are. In other words, we know the problem and the solution, but our prospects aren't that far along. They only know that something is causing them pain. A lot of times they don't even fully understand the problem. Mm. They get actually more value up front from really understanding what is causing their pain, what the problem is. And this, they're not ready for the solution yet. And so I think that's one of the reasons that it works well. In that. So, you're, so you're in a way you're starting more where the client is. It would be a bit like if you went, went into a doctor's and you said, I've got, a, you know, I've got a pain in my leg. And all of a sudden they started describing how a procedure was carried out to d- unclog an artery or, or whatever down there. And it's like way too far. The first thing you want to know is you want them to ask some questions and to figure out what the problem is and to tell you what the problem is. And that's the, the you know the first big oh right now I understand, not details of the of the of the, of the solution. Right. Okay, so you so you're writing stories, you're writing short emails that give them a kind of insight, a kind of moment where they go aha, some kind of learning. But you're not kind of teaching them the full answer. So how do you build in the selling of your services how do you get them to that point where they're going to pick up the phone and call you and say let's out, let's talk about working together well in, in most of these stories that go into the email we're, we're talking about a problem that i know my prospects face um and the the easy transition and, and the not very clever transition but the one that gets used often is simply if you're having this problem here's a solution and i 
simply give them a link where they can go to my website and request uh, an initial consultation. And uh, and so it doesn't have to be very complicated. Um, if I spent more time on the emails um, and I strictly limit the amount of time that uh, I have to do these so that they get done, but if I spent more time on it, I, I'm sure I could be uh, a little more uh, tactful, I guess, would mm-hmm. be the way to say it, in, uh, in making that transition. But um, but I don't have time to do it, and I, and I don't, you know, I'm not going to invest any more time in doing these. And again, it's the, I guess, one of the advantages of emailing so frequently is you, do, you because you're not doing it once a month, you don't have to get it perfect every time. It's the gradual accretion of, of these, di, you know, di, different things, the value, the insight, the, oh, there's a link there, I'll click that. Um, you know, one day someone might not feel like clicking a link. They may have other things to do. If you've got a once a month email, then you've not got another chance for a month. But with yours, there's another one another day. Exactly. And what I've found is that, and, and I've got, you know, tracking software that'll track who clicks and, you know, what they click on and ultimately they do on my website afterwards. And, you know, it, it doesn't always happen this way, but oftentimes people will click that link five or 10 or 15 times over the period of four or five weeks before they finally complete the form and, and, and go through the process of requesting a one-on-one appointment. And so they're thinking about it and they're considering and they're going through that process, which they have to do anyway, but every day I'm back nudging them again. You so have, they, yeah, so they're going through it, you know, um, as you said, four, four or five times. But with you, that takes a few weeks. If For a monthly emailer, that takes, you know, a couple of quarters by the time they've got through that. And and I think when you're when you're doing monthly, you're almost starting over. Mm. You contact them. You're yeah, because start- it's gone it's gone from their mind by the time you next send them a link to that to that page. Whereas with you, they're still remembering. Yeah, I was gonna let's go back see whether etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Now I, I want to come back around to frequency because we're talking about an almost daily email. Mm. A lot of people just say I can't possibly do that, and and that's okay. Um, I don't want people listening to this to walk away thinking it's it's daily or almost daily or nothing. Um, if you're doing monthly and you can move to weekly, I think you get tremendous benefit from mm. that. If you're doing weekly and you can move to a couple of times a week, I think there's big benefit in that. Um, and, and again, I think it's because it gives you more opportunities to let people take that next step. And, and so when I get to the end of the email and I'm giving them the opportunity to do that, it's very low key. Mm. It's not, it's not like some of the, the internet marketing style, which is high pressure, um, a lot of, of scarcity and urgency. I don't think that works as well in selling services. It's not that it doesn't work at all. I just think that it's harder to, to make it work. Um, and so, I don't put a lot of that in there. It's just, here's the story. If this problem applies to you, here's a logical next step. Mm. Mm. And uh, just to see a little bit more about your process once. So if someone clicks on a link in your email, you said they go to your website and there's a kind of form. Is that, is that so you can qualify the, the potential prospect so that you're only spending your kind of valuable face-to-face telephone time with people who could be good potential clients? Absolutely. Um, I have had uh, people who are on my email list who really were not 
what I would consider an ideal client. They're good people, um, and they, they certainly have challenges and they need help, but for a variety of reasons, whether they're in an industry that I don't really specialize in, or maybe they're a startup company and I tend not to work with startups, mm-hmm. uh, But I look at a lot of different factors because I know that if I get a client that's in this sweet spot, and I think most of us have experienced that, if they're in this sweet spot, I know they're going to get great results, and I want to focus on people that I can give great results Mm. to. And so they go to my website, and there's a a form there, and it's relatively short, four or five questions that give me the key information I need to make a determination. And most of the time – um, they they fit, and I'll approve that, and and um, we'll go forward and schedule a meeting. Um, but I, I set it up as an application so that they know going in that uh, I don't take everyone. Right. And, uh, and I think that's important to set that expectation. And I've had to turn people away, and that's okay. And the way that I do that, I always correspond with them by email and try and get some clarity to make sure that I'm making the right determination, and then. I, I tell them, look, I don't think that you're the exact right fit. However, I don't like to send anybody away mad, um, you know, and I don't, I don't say that in the email, but that's the thinking behind this is, you know, I, I ask them, so tell me a little bit more about your problem. If I can help you and point you in the right direction, um, you know, in a few short emails, I'm happy to do that because I know that if I can help them, even though they're not an ideal fit for a client that they're probably a great referral source and that has proven out. And so, uh, so that's how I handle, you know, kind of making sure that I'm talking to the right people. Okay. So it's, it sounds like email is working for you. How how would you rate, you know, on the, on the big scale of all the different things you could be doing in your marketing, where would you put email importance wise? Um, It's the, it is the thing that, that, that moves people from, um, from not knowing me, but, you know, learning about me, whether it's through the web or through a referral and moving them to wanting to have a one-on-one meeting. And it's, it is probably the most important tool that I use and most effective tool that I use to, to make that jump. Mm. You know, it, it doesn't replace the lead generation that you do to get people to know who you are. That has to happen before this because they have to be on your email list but it's the most effective thing i've found to move them then to the point of being ready to have a conversation about hiring you and um and it allows me to make that move with prospects without investing a whole lot of time and without running around chasing them Mm. you know I've been in business for a long time, and the thing that I have just loathed to do is making those annoying follow-up calls. You know, you you met somebody at a trade show, and uh, or you gave a presentation, you know, a month ago, and now you've got to figure out how do I take the people who were there and and take them to the next step. And it used to be that we had this tool called the telephone, and it was you know kind of annoying for the people that weren't really that interested yet um, to get these phone calls. And and I hated doing them. I wasn't very good at it. Um, email has really bridged the gap for me because I don't 
I don't feel like I'm really imposing on people by sending them an email. If they don't want to be on the list, there's a link at the bottom. They can take themselves off. And, of course, you're not kind of badgering them with follow-up. I think it's interesting. We use the word follow-up when we talk about email. But if you're doing it right, it's not follow-up in terms of, you know, are you ready to buy yet? Have you have you read that material yet, etc. It's sending them useful stuff that's going to be valuable and insightful so that they want to call you, not that you're nagging them to call you. Well, exactly. And it, and it was just really difficult to do that type of, of uh, follow-up, which is really value-add follow-up mm. uh, rather than chasing. And it was very difficult to do before. I mean, you, telephone didn't work for it because that really was chasing. You could do it direct mail, but obviously there's a, a pretty good expense to that. And, yeah. and this is very easy. And, and you, um, you can do personal emails, um, but, of course, the, you lose the scale there that uh, you have to send each one personally. And, uh, you know, they have, I mean, that's what if you think of the, in, the re, in the face-to-face business development and marketing world, you know, the successful business developers have been for years and years have been f- doing effective follow up. You know, they'll meet someone, they'll keep in touch over a long period of time, send them useful information, keep in touch. And what you're doing here is really, I guess, the, the email equivalent of that um, in the online world. Yes. Yes. So actually mentioning the, the offline stuff, how do you I know you in, you try and integrate your email marketing with offline marketing as well. How do you how do you do that? Well, Again, I because I can track, and most of the email marketing uh, packages out there offer uh, some amount of tracking, and so I can see who is is clicking on that link, who is acting like they're interested, who is opening the emails. Um, so even if they're not replying or or going on and, and filling out the application, I can see who has heightened activity, and oftentimes I can then uh, you know take. Uh, just a few minutes and look at the the domain name that they've used to to get onto my list with. Often that's a company domain name, and I can go look them up. It's really very easy to do. It doesn't take very much time. Um, and sometimes I do it if I've got a few minutes. Sometimes I have an assistant that does it, and uh, and we'll go get all of their uh, their offline contact information, um, their mailing address, and and all of that. And we've got a a direct mail campaign that we're now sending, we, we started uh, at, at the end of last year uh, sending that out. And it's a, a, a three-step campaign of letters um, that takes those people that we can identify that um, had this extra activity and that we feel by looking at their website and all that, we feel are really ideal potential clients. And it just allows us to hit them in another place, mm. in a, media and um, and that so far has been been proving to be successful um, in, in the first round of that so uh, that's how we're, we're using the two together so rather than one or the other you're using the email the, the the data coming back from that to tell you who who are the most interested so that then a more expensive method like direct mail you can focus on the people who will be the highest potential for you right exactly excellent excellent so I guess final question: What have the results been? You, you, I think you've hinted at this already, but what are, from moving to high frequency emailing, from emailing in the style you're emailing in, um, with the content, uh, what have your results been? Well, I knew you were going to ask me that because <laughs> so I looked it up, um, and we've experienced an increase in uh, the number of of uh, qualified prospects that I'm sitting down and having a 
a meaningful sales conversation, which we call it a, an initial consultation. Um, and that's increased 430 percent uh, starting. I mean, big, just dramatic increase. Mm. Um, and and the closing rate is is about the same as what we were doing before. And so we're seeing a, a big increase in the number of of new clients Excellent. coming on. Yeah. So you're not. It's not. It's not that you're suddenly emailing people, but getting lower quality prospects on the list. Closing rate still the same. Yes. Excellent. Well, I think, I, and I think anyone listening, obviously, is, that, that's uh, hopefully also set set a few light bulbs off that say this absolutely this style of email. And as you say, it's not just about you have to email daily. It's about more frequent than you're probably doing at the moment. Emailing, if you look across the broad range of most professionals, um, doing it in that style, it pays off. Right. And well, and, and, and I think it's important to, to share those results. And, and I'm not the only one that's experienced them. The, the folks that, that, uh, kind of started this concept of emailing frequently in, in the more of a product sales environment are seeing big gains as well. And so really we're just taking what they're doing and applying it in a slightly mm-hmm. Sales situation, um, and so I think there's a good business case for uh, you know for doing this as a, a high leverage marketing activity. Brilliant, absolutely, well, Steve. That has been really excellent. Um, I know that everyone who's listening to the podcast will not only enjoy it but find it really insightful and helpful for them. Um, if people want to find out more about you, um, maybe get in touch. Um, you know, sign up for your emails. There would be probably a good idea. W- where do they go to do that? Uh, uh, the way they can do that, they can go to my website, which is at stevegordonmarketing.com, S T E V E G O R D O N marketing.com. And um, right there at the top of the page, they'll have an opportunity to, to get on the list and, and uh, experience it for themselves. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for that, Steve. Been a real pleasure and hope to catch up with you again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, Ian. Enjoyed it. Cheers. Bye bye. <laughs>